So, translation. The son of Rohini will be celebrated as Sankarshan because of being sent from the womb of Devaki to the womb of Rohini. He will be called Ram because of his ability to please all the inhabitants of Gokul. And he will be known as Balabhadra because of his extensive physical strength. So, I say you repeat. The son of Rohini, the son of Rohini will, also will also be celebrated as Sankarshan because of being sent from the womb of Devaki to the womb of Rohini. He will be called Ram because of his ability to please all the inhabitants of Gokula. And he will be known as Balabhadra because of his extensive physical strength. Purport by his divine grace, Sila Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. These are, reason, these are some of the reasons why Balaram is known as Sankarshan, Balaram, or sometimes Ram. In the Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, people sometimes object when Ram is accepted as Balaram. But although uh, devotees of Lord Ram may object, they should know that there is no difference between Balaram and Lord Ram. Here, Srimad Bhagavatam clearly states that Balaram is also known as Ram, Rameti. Therefore, it is not artificial for us to speak of Lord Balaram as Lord Ram. Jayadev Goswami also speaks of three Rams, Parasuram, Raghupati Ram, and Balaram. All of them are Rams. Again the verse. The son of Rohini will also be celebrated as Sankarshan because of being sent from the womb of Devaki to the womb of Rohini. He will be called Ram because of his ability to please all the inhabitants of Gokul. And he will be known as Balabhadra because of his extensive physical strength. 10th Canto, Chapter 2, Text 13. Om Gyanata Marindas Yaganam Jana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manubishtam Shtapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupagadamayam Dadanti Swamparam Tiparantikam Anchakopa Tarubyas Chakripa Sevnubhya Chakpatita Nam Bhavanevya Vaishnavavya Namo Namaha So, um, this is very interesting. Uh, some of the followers of Ram, according to this purport here, will object when they say that this is the same Ram. You know, Balaram is, uh, is Lord Ram. You see, who else is he? By the way. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he's right over there. <laughs> so he's also Lord Nityananda. Yes. This is Lord Ram. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Lord Balaram. Lord Balaram, uh, uh, Baladev, is the first guru. He's the first expansion of Krishna, you see. So he's known as the first guru, the original guru. So uh, <clears throat> because of his physical strength and his ability to give great pleasure, he has that name, Balaram. You see, he's got great physical strength. Balaram is known, he always carries his plow. You see Balaram with his plow. In Vrindavan uh, um, um, and Krishna Balaram Temple, <coughs> they, many, many times they, uh, when they dress Bal, uh, Krishna Balaram, they, they give Balaram his plow. He's, he's holding his plow. It's very attractive. You see, because he's very, very, very strong. You see. Uh, once Prabhupada, you see this picture of Krishna and Balaram. Has anybody ever seen the picture? Krishna Balaram? Yeah. Balaram's leaning on Krishna. Oh, yeah. So attractive. 
So one time, Prabhupada was giving class there, and he said, by the way, who is stronger, Balaram or Krishna? Does anybody know the answer? You've got Balaram. He's, he's known for this great strength. You see, who's stronger, Balaram or Krishna? Any guesses? Why is Balaram stronger? That was my guess. Yeah, that's what I would. That was my guess. He's bigger than Krishna. He's bigger. He's older. He's two weeks older. He's just known for his Herculean strength. The problem is, no, Krishna is stronger. He said, you can tell. See, Lord Balaram is leaning on Krishna. <laughs> Krishna is holding up Balaram. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what a, what a wonderful thing to discuss. Who is stronger, Balaram or Krishna? See, the devotees have, if, if we want to get into um, uh, some sort of kata, there's always something about Krishna we can talk about. <clears throat> there's always something to occupy us uh, in, in Krishna kata, you see. So, uh, the, our, the devotees may argue back and forth. If some devotees, the devotees of Ram may say, oh, it's, this is, the Balaram is not my Ram, you see, we say, oh yes, yes, it, according to Srimad Bhagavatam, it is mentioned, it, yes, it's the same realm. But it's not like, uh, well, we're going to get uh, some weapons, we're going to fight this out. It's just like, this is what we discuss. So you can see the discussion amongst uh, the devotees is very, it's, it's very pure. The devotees don't have any, um, uh, or, or so much, gramya uh, kata, uh, you see. Uh, we can always talk about Krishna. Now we could always find some Gromya uh, Kata, some village gossip. Gromya uh, is a village, refers to the community, and Kata means discussion. Or, or really, Gromya Kata means village gossip. You know, have you seen what what's going on at this place? And did you see that? You know, they they've got a new car. I don't think they can afford it. You know. Have you seen what she did to her hair? Why did she do that? Oh, where did she buy that blouse? You know, I hear he, I hear his golf score has gone so bad that he can't break a hundred now. You know, you see, it's like that. <clears throat> uh, their children don't wear the latest styles. Their phones are almost obsolete. You know, their cell phones are not as cool as ours. You see, this is Gromyakata. So, the devotees know to avoid this. It's said. Uh, uh, many, many times as we read, Prabhupada says this Gramya Kata should be avoided. We shouldn't discuss like that. These mundane things, you know. Uh, I'm going to talk about you. If I can find something that, uh, about you that's negative, it'll make me look more positive. If I can lower you, then that's like raising me in my twisted material mind, you see. So in other words, uh, it's just opposite from the way the devotees think. The devotees always want to glorify one another. It's like Prabhupada says, the devotees are like the bumblebees. They go for the honey. We're not like the flies. The flies will go for the stinky things, stool on the ground, sores, you know. The, they dwell on them. They, they seek out those things. To where the bumblebees, the honeybees, they're always just simply looking for the nectar. So they may not notice these things, you know, so much. And even if they do, they, you know, they, it's not a, nothing they want to spread around. Yes, Prabhu? Are you going to talk about the difference between the three Rams or, or what they were talking about? The, 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 the three Rams? Sure. Yeah. Parsaram, Raghupati Ram, and Balaram. <coughs> All of these are Rams. Um, Lord Parsaram was the uh, incarnation. He annihilated, of Krishna, he annihilated, what was it, Mother, 21 generations of uh, Chatriyas. What was that story you were telling me uh, in, in uh, Kerala? What just said that after Lord Parsaram, and actually in Kerala, 
That was the only place I've ever seen a Murakashram temple because generally you don't see that. But they had, you know, they had a huge, big deity like just even outside of the gate. And um, when you came in to take darshan, you know, he had his big chopper and he had a beard and you know, he was kind of tough. Yeah. But said that after he killed them 21 times, um, then he was complaining, there's so much blood around here. I, I want to go to a sattvic place where there's no blood, but there's blood everywhere. Everything's contaminated now. So then he threw his chopper out to the ocean and as far as it went, and then it and then out popped a beautiful land and it connected with the um, south of India. And so that was, uh, that was his. Uh, and it was clean land. Unbloodstained land. You know, Lord Parsaram came. The the Chetriots were uh, uh, um, contaminated. You see, they were they needed to be uh, put in line. So he came and he and he slaughtered them, you know, and killed them all. In other words, we're supposed to have the Brahmanas, the Chetriots, the Vaishyas, and the Shudras. So you have the Brahman class, and they're the thinkers. They do the thinking, and then. Um, uh, you know they're qualified. They're qualified to do the think, the, the thinking. They come up with how society should run. The Brahmins think of uh, how the law should be. You see, and then the Chatriyas administer the law that's set forth by the Brahmins. You see, they make it. The the Brahmins put it together, and the the Chatriyas, uh administer it. They make it work. See, so they're answering, they're serving the, the Brahmins. So when they become corrupt and they think, oh, you know, we, we're going to make the laws and we're going you know, to take over. So Lord Parsaram came to uh, annihilate them and get uh, Varnashram back in style. You see, that was his, his mission. Of course, uh, uh, we saw... Uh, it did deteriorate throughout Kali Yuga, though. It got to the point to where the the Baishas, uh, once I mean the Chatriyas, uh, once again took over the, of the Brahmins. Later on in Kali Yuga, the kings were uh, above. They they took power from the Brahmins, from the priests, you know, in, in Europe. The king was you know, King James dictated how the Bible would be written. You know, he didn't go to uh, the priest and say, okay, write this Bible and you know, I'll accept it. No, he had a hand in how it was written, you see. So the kings were mighty for a long, long time. And then uh, uh, the Vaishas overthrew the Chatriyas. Does anybody know how that happened? Mm -hmm. How did that happen? How did the Vaishas take over? French Revolution. Well, that was after the American Revolution. You know, we had these rich guys in America that had come here in the colonies, and they were vicious. George Washington, Samuel Adams, uh, John Hancock, these guys, they, these were, they came here. Now, they, history will say that when I was a child going to school, we were sent, it was for religious freedom. Uh, actually, we're finding out that it was for money. It was for profit. You know, that's why they came to America. It wasn't that, well, they've discovered this new vast land over there. It has great resources. Let's go worship God the way we want to. You know, that's what we're led to believe in some history books. But <laughs> really, it was an opportunity to really cash in. They heard the cha-ching, you see. So away they came. They came over here and, uh, and started to uh, settle, make money, have business. And then they thought, well, the king is taxing me too much. There's taxation without representation. We're not getting anything. All we're doing is working and sending taxes back. We're paying too much for tea, you know. So uh, uh, they decided that, you know, enough, we're going to, we're going to, rise up against the king. So the Vaishas overthrew. That was the first time the shot heard round the world. You know, and then the French Revolution followed 
And then other other countries did the same thing. They started. What year was the French Revolution anyway? Which year? What year? Yeah. Uh, that's 1789. 17. 1789. 1789. 1789. So it wasn't too long after, you know, what were we, 1776 or like that? Or that was the end of the, the war. But, you know, so it's. So it started this ripple effect. <clears throat> so, ever since then, since we're on that subject, ever since then the Vaishas have, um, have actually been in, in, in charge, you see. And uh, economic development started to go really crazy once the Vaishas got in. Because the Vaishas, of course, are looking for basically one thing. What's that? Money. Money. Profit. They're driven by profit. It's not that they're bad guys. They have to have it. By the nature of being a business, you have to have profit. You see? So, uh, the Vaishas have changed uh, everything because of the way they administer things. They now own uh, uh, pretty much the administrative, the, the Chatriyas work pretty much for the Vaishas. Because I give you money, I'll give you money because you're running for office, you know, you're running for president, I'm going to give you lots of money, but I need your influence to help me once you get in there, or whether you're going to be a senator or a congressman or whatever, so we can see actually the vices are, are the ruling class. You know, it's just, it, it is that way. Uh, the vices are, are driven for, for profit, it's greed. Greed for, for money. Uh, yes, Prabhu? Would you say that the sutras have a lot of influence through the democratic process, though? Uh, the sutras are really influenced. You see, they're just influenced. They cast their vote, but they're influenced on where to cast their vote. You see, uh, I'll give you this if you vote for me. You see, I'll, you know, some people think, well, it, it's, it's like a, a, a chess game in a way. They, they calculate. If I, if I say something good for this class of people, then that's good for so many votes. And if I say something good for this class of people, that's so many votes. But I can't get them both because they kind of contradict their, their interests, contradict one another. So which one is the larger one that I want to go for, you see? So some, of, some people think, well, uh, I, I think I want to appeal to the working class guy, so therefore I'm going to support them, that, that way I'll get the union vote and whatever. And some people are so unfortunate enough to actually think, oh, this man cares for me. I'm the working man. He, he actually cares for me. You know, that's so sad because they, they honestly, I mean, they might a little bit, you know, but Basically, they're looking for the vote to get power. Power means money, you know, so on. Uh, fame, profit, adoration, distinction. You see, they're playing their game. And uh, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in politics? You know? <laughs> some people can say, well, it's this guy, and some people say that. And they, and they can actually, some people are so convinced that one of these two parties is a good guy. And one of them is a bad guy, which is very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. You know, these are really bad people. They're out. You know, that's ridiculous. They're both. They're, they're both pretty much the same. Pretty much. The only thing that I can. The only difference that I notice between the two uh, parties in America is one of them seems to support uh, abortion. And one of them seems to be more against abortion. At least that's what they say. Now, I don't know if they personally feel the way. But so, other than that, uh, there doesn't seem to be from, I mean, there, I, I can tell there are other subtle differences. But those are the, that's what sticks out in, in, uh, to me. So when somebody says, hey, what do you think about old Bob Smith? I said, well, is he for or against abortion? <laughs> the rest of his 
of his politics, I really don't care about. You know, I really don't. Because it's all going to be pretty much the same. So, um, but, um, uh, you know, the, the politicians are pretty much what they are. The vices are in control. The politicians are in the pockets of the vices. And basically, uh, the vices are here to make a profit. How do they do that? They have to sell wares. They have to sell their product. So uh, from, some, from time to time, I hear some people who are involved, uh, who follow politics, saying, well, you know, this party here, they just want, uh, you know, the, the population. They want Americans to be paupers. They want to take all the money, you see. Well, uh, it doesn't really work that way with the Vaishas. You see, with the Vaishas, we sudras, <laughs> most of the population is sudras, you see, have to have money. Because if we're going to get money, if, if I'm going to have a big screen TV, then somebody's got to buy it. If nobody buys it, then my, my, my whole thing closes down. So you've got to have money. And I'll give you money. I'll pay you. I'll pay you as much as I can because I know it's going to come right back in my pocket. So that's the way capitalism works. If you have peasants, then everything closes up. The factories close, and no, but nothing sells. The, the, the trucks aren't moving on the highway. You know, but as long as you're giving money to Shudras, then you're going to see the trucks going down I-10 and all the freeways. You're going to see the trains loaded. Goods are going to be, because they're going to be buying. They're going to be buying it, you see. They come out with a new uh, iPhone. And, uh, you know, when they, I think it's the iPhone that people will, will, will stay overnight outside the store. You know, like they're, like they used to for Rolling Stones tickets, remember? And certain... <laughs> Bands, you know, they would camp outside the ticket office to make sure. Now, they, when the new iPhone is coming out, you know, or something like that, they're, they're, they spend the night outside the, the store to get it. You know, you can see this, this is insane mentality. This isn't going to be the, the only chance they get to buy this item, you see. It's not going to be, it's going to be around a long time. You can go there any time and get it. You could get it over the internet, probably, you know. But they want to be the very first to do it. So you can see how the Shudras, <clears throat> their mentality is, you know, I want, I want, I want this lust, you know. They're driven, they're, they're driven by it, you see. It's like uh, Arjuna asked Krishna, he said, by what, uh, what is it that makes us perform activities as if uh, forced? to do so. Sometimes we do things. It's just like it's crazy. Our mind just insists and we're carried away. What is it? What was it? What did Krishna answer? Yeah. It is lust only, Arjuna. We're carried by this lust, you see. So it's lust. I must. I must have it. I have to have it. You see. Uh, and uh, now they have. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably know, but I was amazed to find out they <laughs> they have uh, 3D televisions. Did you know that? <laughs> so you can see what they do. They come out with uh, uh, different kinds of. Uh, of, of home entertainment. So they first thing they came out with was the HD TV. You see. Uh, they pushed that for years. They changed the, the shape of the television. Right, for no reason. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to make it longer. And, well, they had a reason. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> we're going we're gonna to fix it so you're all going to want them. The old televisions are going to go in the trap. They're, they're genius. You know, they... You, you have to appreciate their, their genius. I'm, I'm going to figure, I'm so good, that I'm going to make you throw your television away and buy a whole new one, you see. So I changed the shape and everything. You know, so, so then everybody goes out and buys these new shaped televisions. I remember I went to, uh, I think I was India, 
I was in India for a long time, and when I came back, I had to go to Walmart to get something, and I went into Walmart. When I left, there were just televisions like there used to be, you know, just tele, you know, with the big, the back of them would stick way out, you know. And uh, I went to Walmart, and I was going up through the electric department, and I just happened to glance over, and every television was this new flat screen. <laughs> and I thought, you know, while I was gone, this whole thing, the whole thing, there was none of the old TVs. And I remember when I left, there was mostly the old and a couple of the flat screen, but now they're all. And then, and then they went from that to, uh, they had some Blu-ray technology, you know, and now they have 3D. So just see how some people went out and got the big flat televisions and they keep changing from the plasma, they have plasma, then they had something else that's better, then something else that's better, you see. And it looks kind of silly, you know, for us, we're, we're watching this and they keep coming out with, as soon as you settle in and you think, oh, I've got the greatest, the latest and the greatest, look how big it is, it's, oh, the picture's so good and it's, then you, you hear, oh, they're coming out with the new whatever, you know. <laughs> now, oh, now I don't have the greatest. Now this beautiful picture that I was enjoying just doesn't seem as good because I know there's something better out there and I must have it. So we can see how the world is driven by this lust, you see. We're just, you know, we're all following the carrot, you know. So, uh, what does it take for us to keep body and soul together? When we hear that, we think, oh, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds pretty glum, you know. Just, just keeping body and soul together, that, that's not very attractive. But really, that's about all there is. You, you know, Srila Prabhupada said, I, was, I heard in, a, in a, uh, a class I was listening to when I was coming out to uh, El Paso, Srila Prabhupada was saying how people fight so hard uh, to, to make more and more money. He said, if you're making like $500 a month, and that's enough to feed you, but it's barely enough to feed you. And let's say that you can only eat four chapatis a day. So you get four chapatis a day, $500 a month. But if you're making $5 million a month, he said, still, only four chapatis. If you're making more money, does that mean you can hold more? Your stomach now is bigger, you see? So it really doesn't take that much for us to be sustained and to, be, and, and to actually uh, do well, to flourish. It doesn't really take that much. Just some, some food grains, some fresh vegetables and fruits. If we have cows, we have milk and ghee, you know? We can only use so much ghee. We only need so many apples, you see. So, much, so many fruits and vegetables. There's only so much that we really need. And, and I, I, I don't mean just cutting it really close. I'm saying plenty to have all you really want. It's not that much. Now anything over that is just letting our lust lead us along. I want more. Well, why do you want more? Because there is more. <laughs> you see? I want more because there is more to be had. You see? So, you know, this is the situation of uh, modern civilization. They're driven by this lust. Otherwise, all this wouldn't be here. You see? Yes, Prabhu? Sometimes I... I get a little confused in this area because it's like, for the individual, I can definitely see how lust and greed makes you miserable and how wanting that next TV makes you just miserable because you have to work harder and then you hard to get to enjoy the movie. But as a society, I don't always see the benefit of a culture that has running sewage on the side of the road, doesn't have nice buildings, doesn't have traffic lights, everything's dirty, and, 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 and versus a society that has nice clean roads and has, you know, running water and uh, clean water and all these other, I mean, isn't it something in it for society that we do make advancements? I mean, my dad just, you know, everyone looks to America for the advancements and then Japan when they got the electronics after the World War II. It's like, but 
yet they, they, they look down on you for making those advancements. Like somehow you're greedy because you're, you're making advancements. Right. Well, the, you know, uh, to have clean streets, uh, that's very good. You know, to have running water, clean water, yeah. But it's the industry that really dirties the water, you see. Yeah, it's, it's this economic development that is contaminating and, and using the resources, you see. Um, for instance, we need to sell houses, you see. I'm a, I'm a man that makes my living selling houses. I need to sell houses. I don't really care if you need a house. I just need you to give me money for a house that I built. So I'm going to build houses, and I'm going to build houses bigger. It used to be, when I was a child, the average house for the average American was about 1,200 square feet. You know, so it was, uh, it seemed okay, you know. Well now, I mean, you know, it's fine. One bedroom, I mean, uh, one bathroom, the family used a bathroom. And you had a living room and a kitchen, maybe three bedrooms, about 1,200 square feet, 50 feet by 24 feet. You know, maybe if you had a few extra bucks and you do a little better, you'd have a garage. You know, well, nowadays, that's people laugh at that. The average guy's got to have 2,000 and 2,500 square feet. They've got to have a, 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 this kind of room and a, that kind of room, and it's so many different bathrooms, and the, you know, the, the master, the master bedroom went into the master suite, and they're they're trying to get everybody to uh, to give me money, give me your money, and you could live like, you know, maybe not like a, a, a Hollywood movie star, but certainly closer than you are now. And so, look what ha happened with the housing boom. You see, they started building houses and lending money for the houses because of the lobbyists back and forth. So that business went crazy and the price kept going up until uh, they realized, well, this is just an artificial house of cards that they built. The houses were way overpriced. The lust for these mansion-type houses was, was driving the market. So all of a sudden the whole thing crashed and now we have a whole bunch of people whining that I'm living in a house that I owe more than it's than it's worth. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like, for example, my parents have one of those houses where the master bedroom has three rooms in it, and we're like, you know, one walk-in <laughs> closet, and you're like, okay. But my dad, who was a capitalist, would, would argue, is this worse than the? And I was in the business, so you rent an apartment, you rent a 400 square foot apartment to, to a couple, and the next thing you know, their uncles living there, their aunts living there, their grandparents are living there, and you have about three square foot to every person because. They don't have jobs, they don't have education, they don't want to work, they want to sit around and collect a check and drink beer. Um, so you have two sides to that story that's going. You have these, these capitalists that want to get richer and have nicer things, but you also have this huge percentage of the population that's just given up. There's no point in trying, there's no, there's, no, there's no benefit to my desiring, there's no you know, benefit to the material world, I'm just going to sit around and... You mean because of the economy? The state because of the economy? No, I don't, I don't, that's what I'm wondering, what is it? What, what are we saying in spirituality that makes that difference? And which is really bad? I mean, it is, it is because someone wanted a bigger room and wanted a cleaner room and a nicer room for his wife and his family, does that make him less moral than the person who just said, mm, that's, all, that's all illusion, I'm just gonna sit here and, you know. Um, there's within reason, you know, there's a, re you know, within reason. I want a bigger house for my family, I want a cleaner house for my family. If you want a cleaner house, you can get some soap and water and start cleaning. You know, you can clean floors and you can scrub the walls and repaint. You can do that. If it's too small, then you have to do something about that. We yeah. But you know, do I do I need to go from uh, you know a 1,200 uh, square foot house to uh, 3,000? Probably not. Do I need all this? Well, probably not. Can I afford it? Well, if I can, I go ahead and I buy it. Yeah. That's so, but to, to strive for that, it takes us off the path of spirituality. The same people who are striving so hard to uh, make the payments on these big houses and big cars and whatever will look at us and say, but I have no time for this Krishna consciousness. Gee whiz, where do you people ever find the time to sit and chant? 
Why, I've got, as a matter of fact, I'm late right now. I've got someplace I've got to be. Yeah, because, you know, and they're proud of it. They're proud that I'm so busy. You know, I have so much that I have to do because I'm special. I'm, I'm more special than you. We've been sitting here, my phone's been going off, and yours hasn't rung once, but you, so you can see I'm more special than you. You see? I've, well, I've got a big life. I've got a big car, and I've got a big house, and, and uh, we're going to take a big vacation. I'm going to buy a big boat, boat and, you know, like that. So that's what I'm struggling for. So uh, there, there are only certain basic needs that we have. Uh, when we go to India, we can see, I, I, I like to, to, to look, when I walk around Mayapur, you know, when you walk around the, the countryside in Mayapur, you can see the people, how they live. They've got some, you know, nice houses. I consider them nice. Now, most people in America would say, well, they're not very, they're just not, they don't look American enough. You know, in America, they make, they make uh, not so much here. They're more uh, practical here, but in like in Dallas and other places, they make the houses look, I, I, it's hard to explain, you know, they, they, they make them so, in, in a fancy way that's supposed to, you know, uh, they're, they're spending extra money on the wood and the carpentry to put a little kind of a thing on the house. I didn't know how to describe it, you know, but you can see it's not basic. You know, I, I see a lot of houses here that are very basic, you know, they're practical. And it, it, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's very interesting, the differences in, in architecture. But the houses here kind of remind me of the houses in India. They're, first of all, they don't build them so much out of wood. They're built out of concrete. So you get a house that's going to last. And, uh, and you don't have to destroy, you don't have to kill the trees. You know, so uh, you get extra square footage because you can use the roof. You can actually walk on the roof, and you know, which I think is very genius. Why <laughs> they don't do that in America? I don't get it. You know, you know, we have these big, high-pitched roofs that go like that because they really look really good to us. You see, so in other words, people do have enough. And I walk through these farm villages in Mayapur, and I realize things haven't really changed a great deal probably since Lord Chaitanya's time. Uh, some of the houses have electricity, and, but a lot of them don't. You know, in Govardhan, they, they carry their water. You see the ladies that'll go with the pots, stack the pots up on their head, they'll walk to go get water, and they fill these pots up with water, and they carry them back. And they're in, they're in like groups of three or four, and as they're going, they're chatting. They're having a nice chat. And to them, this is what they do. And they're not like, oh my God, I have to go get water. They seem very happy, very blissful, you see. They've got very plain living quarters, but yet I'm amazed at how clean their saris are. They look like they just came. Have you ever noticed that? And they, how do you wash these clothes? Well, they go down to the, they go down to the, uh, the kunda, to the lake, or the, or the gut and they wash the, their clothes in the river or the lake. You see, they don't have washing machines. They hang them out, you see, but they look like, just like they, their saris just came right out of the cleaners, you know. Uh, they have some gold ornaments, you'll see, you know, some ornaments, and nice makeup, and, but they live in something very, very basic. They cook over, they cook their food over uh, a fire made of uh, dried cow stool. <laughs> Excellent. First class prasadam. First class, you see. But they don't have a thing more than they need. Not a thing. But their quality of life, they have plenty to eat. Excellent. First class. Excellent. First. Now, they don't have a car. They do here. <laughs> huh? They do here. <laughs> well, they come here to a different culture. They come here where the money is. They get the big houses, the big cars, and yada yada, and on and on and on like that, you see. 
But there, there is a, a lifestyle. Now, the people that I've witnessed in, in India don't seem unhappy. They seem happier than these folks here, you see, who have everything. And of course, you know, it seems like everybody in India has a cell phone now, doesn't it, Mother? Have you noticed that? I mean, practically everybody in India has a cell phone. Even the rickshaw wall now. <laughs> 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 they're wearing. Yeah, you, you know, usually most of the rickshaw wallas, at least in Mayapur, they're uh, they're Muslim. They're wearing these lungies, you know, uh, and they're real long. And yet they they whip out a cell phone. And I think, well, where, where do you keep that thing? You don't even have pockets. Where did you hide that? I don't want to know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they have the cell phones, but but they have a very simple lifestyle. They don't seem unhappy. Now, many of them feel like, boy, I'd like to go to America because I have a cousin or an uncle there, and they've got all this, and I'd like to go because I'm developing this lust for more. I already have. Plenty. But I know that somewhere there is more. And if there is more, I want more. You see? But if I didn't if, if I didn't have this whole world of more over there, I wouldn't want more if I didn't know there was more. You see? There's more, so I want more. If I can get it. Exactly. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. You know, the, the, what, the way the human mind functions, they may come through the line once and then maybe go back and get like a tablespoon or a little bit more, you know. But, you know, you, I'm so curious now to watch people and see how many times they do go back. But then you tell them you can only go through once. It's, <gasps> what? Well, I've been coming but, but, here 15 years. But they actually years. take more. They pile it on then. Yeah, okay. So it actually creates greed to, 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 to create this artificial lack of supply. Right. They, 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 all of a sudden, this greed increases, which is bizarre. I mean, it's... it's it, it is. Yeah. And then you, you may go up to them and say, well, my dear sir, you took this big Govardhan hill, <laughs> you know, and you're not eating it. And he's going to look at you saying, well, nobody could eat that much. What are you, <laughs> are you insane? You expect me to eat all that? So, you know, here's a whole dynamic of human behavior that, you know, how do we understand this? <laughs> so, so, you know, you, I guess the, the answer is tell them you can have as much as you want. Well, there's only so much they can eat. If they can hold four chapatis, they're going to take four chapatis, you know. And if they know, well, I can have more and I can go back anytime I want to and get more. Well, now I'll go through the line and I'll get my four chapatis. If I want five, I'll go back. But four works, so, you know, I, I guess I, that was amazing, this phenomenon that happened with the, the line here, you know. So, uh, but we learned something about human nature. But basically, everyone's going to want more. If I know more is there, you see. Now, what, what we're talking about is uh, for instance, going into the 1900s, you know, that, that, the turn that of that century, 97% of Americans were agrarian. They lived on some sort of a farm, albeit a very small farm. We're not talking a big agribusiness thing. But they grew their own this and they grew their own that and they had a cow. So many people, you know, had a cow. So they, they had their own milk. They... Uh, can their own vegetables and preserved their own vegetables and they did like that. And uh, as the Industrial Revolution heated up, they, what, basically what the Vaishas did is give you a perceived need. You know, in other words, you can have this. You, you can, why are you wearing those clothes when you can go to the store or you can, the Sears and Roebuck catalog, you can order the same clothes that they wear in New York City. Yes, you can have those clothes. Instead of wearing those clothes that your wife made or your 
you know, your grandmother or the lady up the road who does sewing. You know, they, there were cottage industries. Somebody would do sewing, someone would make furniture. You know, so you do some trading back and forth. I'll trade you some of this for some of that. And like that, you see. Uh, so we lost that because we wanted, we wanted something artificial. You know, I get to, I'm going to be the first one in uh, Raccoon Valley, Tennessee to wear the same clothes that they wear in New York City. I'm going to get them out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog. You see. And then someone else says, well, I want to do like that too. Well, you know, you can come to work. We're, we're going to open a factory over here and you can come to work. You see, so that the, the need, the, the, the perceived needs changed, but the needs didn't change. People had... But I thought they were happy when they didn't have all those things. They were. So why would they give up their happiness for all those things? Lust. Because I have more. So much you're having to do. So their happiness still contained lust then? Oh yeah. Because yeah. it was hidden there before. Because time. they weren't spiritually satisfied. Oh. You see. They had ample material things, but uh, material desires are never satisfied. You cannot satisfy material desires. It's not possible. They just grow. It's like uh, uh, burning. You know, the more you throw on the fire, the more the bigger the fire gets. See. You can't put out a fire by throwing fuel on it. So, uh, you know, some people argue like that. Well, I'm not finished with material life yet. I'm going to go and really enjoy for a while and get burnt out, and then I'll, I'll turn to spiritual life. It doesn't work that way, unless there's some big life-changing event. You know, you wreck your health or mm -hmm. something. Did you have a question? Well, I had some other questions. I think I had some, but... I think a good word is priority. I mean, the priority is spirituality, then the other things don't matter too much. But exactly. If your priority is capitalism and all this stuff. Yeah, how many people have a priority of going back to Godhead? How many people have a priority of getting their spiritual life together? You see? How many people say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to put any of my uh, energy and resources into uh, ec economic development, developing my this or that. I'm just going to direct, if not all, then most of my energy in, into developing my spiritual life. This is kind of rare. That's the way they teach their kids. I mean, they're sending them to a parochial school or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they teach the children. There's a demand placed on the child, you know, to get good grades, to get you in this college, and, and uh, to get this degree, so you can get this job, so you can be an earner. I want you to be, you know, the vices are saying, I need you to be a piece of this machine. You see, I need you to product a, a product, a produce a product or service. I need that from you. Because I need you to take home some dollars. Because I want you to give me those dollars that you're going to make for my big screen TV or for my new iPhone or for, you know. The richer I get as a, as a manufacturer, the, the, uh, the more I want more, and it's going to give me more resources to come up with something new that's going to get you to give me your money. As we buy more and more, we make them more and more powerful. You see? Nobody ever says, that's fine. This is great. You know, Walmart has, uh, they're the biggest employer in the world. They have stores, so many stores. And they're not saying, okay, that's enough. We've got enough. No, they're looking for places where they can open more stores. Subway is looking for places to open more stores. There's a subway and a Starbucks on practically every, every corner, you know. Well, start, uh, uh, subway, anyway. You see Subway? You know, some of you younger folks don't, maybe don't remember, but it used to be when you would travel across, say, like, uh, across Texas. You know, you didn't see, you didn't know, when you're a vegetarian, you don't know what you're going to eat. 
There's nothing. Local mom-and-pop stores or whatever, you might see some, you know, some kind of a franchise. Now there's like, as you go down the freeway, the gas stations. See, there was a time when the gas stations didn't have these food franchises. You know, gas station was just a place to get, let me see, gas. <laughs> you know? Now you go into these, these gas stations along the highway, they've got like a McDonald's over here and a CeCe's Pizza and a Subway. Have you seen those? You know. So the Vaishas are so expert, out of greed, they're looking for more and more ways. You know, please spin, spin, look, here I am. You know, you can't, you can't look anywhere without seeing some, somebody saying, you know, hey, look at this product. You need this, don't you? Yeah, look at that. You know, so the, the television thing really blew my mind when I, when I saw that uh, now they have, they have 3D television. They have like uh, some kind of a com uh, computer. Do you know anything about what I'm talking about? They have like glasses that are hooked up somehow with the computer. 3D glasses. Well, I, I have to stay a little bit up on this stuff. Um, I just remember hearing that originally they, they required glasses, but they seem to have a new technology so that you can see 3D without. But I, I just vaguely remember that, so I might be, you know, there might be some other thing that's required. I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm thinking perhaps, yeah. I was just going to ask if in Arizona, is it similar to Texas? We um, had a a day where they said, um, your old TVs aren't going to work anymore, and yeah. you, you literally had to go and get yeah. the box, so, yeah. so they wouldn't even allow you to, to not advance, you know? And you had to go to have a TV, you had to get digital. What, digital. I don't know what yeah. that means, but you had, you had to go di digital, or else your television wasn't going to work. That's terrible. You know, so, you know, 3D television, I'm thinking maybe someday they'll have 3D in real life. You know, we'd have, like our whole world would be three-dimensional. Wow, what a concept. <laughs> it is? Yeah. Really? Wow. Miracle. Yeah. <laughs> so if it is, why does our television have to be? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I don't want to. All right, I think we should probably wrap it up. Thank you so much. You want to know the key? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.